You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's not the usual sort of thing that we investigate, but it is um, a kind of an interesting threat. The reason I say it's not the usual sort of thing we investigate is because in the greater scheme of things, it's um, it's by no means the world's biggest cybercrime operation. And I think that has helped it fly a little bit under the radar. That's Dick O'Brien. He's a principal editor at Symantec. The research we're discussing today is titled Clipminer Botnet Makes Operators at Least $1.7 Million. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. We saw it cropping up a few uh, times uh, in customers' environments, and we got curious and we decided to dig a little bit deeper and look at it in depth. Because while Clipbinder is known about and it's been talked about, say, in forums and in social media, nobody had really kind of documented it fully. So what is it? Well, the first thing, interesting thing about Clipbinder is that it's, um, I guess, it's a dual-pronged threat to describe it. So first of all, it's a crypto miner, which means it will attempt to mine cryptocurrency on the um, infected computer. It means they effectively steal the victim's computing resources from them. But along with that, it's a crypto stealer. And by that, I mean uh, that if the victim is a cryptocurrency user, 
it will attempt to steal um, some of their cryptocurrency. Does this by modifying the contents of the, um, the clipboard on the computer to redirect payments. So each time the clipboard is updated, it will scan the clipboard for um, uh, cryptocurrency wallet addresses. It's set up to uh, identify address formats that are used by, by a lot of different cryptocurrencies. And so if it spots something that it thinks is a, a cryptocurrency wallet address, it will replace it with um, the address of a wallet that the attackers own themselves. I guess what that means for the victim is, well, imagine they want to pay somebody using um, their favorite form of cryptocurrency. What they will do is, is that they will copy uh, the address they need to send the payment to, and then they'll paste it into their own wallet in order to send it. Except in this case, by the time they paste it into their own wallet, it's replaced with another address, and uh, that therefore the malware has managed to redirect um, the payment to the attackers. The way they do this is actually um, pretty stealthy um, because for most of the um, cryptocurrency address formats that um, uh, the malware is configured to scan for, it has um, a whole heap of different wallet addresses to choose from. And it will choose the address that matches the prefix of the address to be replaced. So this way, unless the victim is really, really paying attention to what is being pasted into their wallet, they may not notice the manipulation. They may just look at the first few characters and think, yeah, that's okay, and, and hit send. Now, for us, us, like once we started looking into Clipminer, one of the first questions that arose really was, was how much money that this is making. And I think that can tell you a lot about the gravity and the longevity of these kinds of threats, because the more money they're making, um, the less likely it is to, to disappear and the more likely it is that they're, they're going to want to um, build on that and make it bigger. Calculating uh, the earnings is always a little bit tricky um, and time-consuming. So, for example, to start with, um, the malware was pre-configured with the addresses of over 4,000 wallets. That's 4,000 wallets uh, controlled by, by the attackers themselves. So we... Um, we took a look at just Bitcoin and the Ethereum wallets, uh, which were the majority in fairness, uh, and they contained a good amount of, uh, of, of money, uh, but we noticed a lot of being transferred out into tumblers, um, and these effectively uh, act as, as money launderers um, for, for, for cyber criminals using cryptocurrency. And then if you factor the money that has already gone out of the wallets into these tumblers, we reckoned that... They've made at least $1.7 million from the clipboard hijacking alone in those currencies. Uh, I should stress um, that it's $1.7 million at the time of writing, because as we all know, <laughs> uh, cryptocurrencies have been hit with a pretty steep drop in, in value in recent weeks. So um, uh, their profits would probably only be intact if they'd cashed out into, into other real world currencies uh, straight away. But of course, they potentially made much more than this because we only uh, made an estimate of the clipboard earnings. Um, the crypto miner earnings were, were way too complex uh, to calculate in, in the time that we had. You know, it's really an, an interesting point you bring up here that, first of all, um, at $1.7 million could be considered not a whole lot of money relative to some of the other operators out there, right? Yeah, yeah. when you hear about ransomware groups making maybe hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, this is sort of the, the small leagues. But nevertheless, like for, for anybody, $1.7 million is, is, is a fair amount. 
Yeah, and and that's where I'm going with this, which is, is there kind of this funny middle ground where if you're a ransomware operator, uh, can you operate in this space where you're still making a pretty good living for yourself, but there are a lot of shinier objects out there for law enforcement to try to track down? It is something that I've been thinking about myself uh, since we published this research. I don't know whether it's by accident or design that the clip miner people have maybe hit on this sweet spot where they still make good money but are ardent, conspicuous, and, and as a result, don't have a target on their back. You know, but uh, if it is by design, you know, it's it's pretty clever uh, not being so greedy that you don't uh, stick your head above the parapet to a great degree. What about the crypto mining side of things here? Is there anything noteworthy about that part of it? The crypto miner itself uh, is a uh, publicly available um, Monero mining uh, software called XMR Rig. So that component, you know, it's it's uh, it's a known thing, and it's not by itself malicious. You know, the the malware that surrounds it, I think, is a little bit more interesting in that, like it's. Um, quite surreptitious uh, in how it behaves, tries to make sure that attention isn't drawn to the the cryptocurrency mining. So, for example, it will constantly scan uh, for um, keyboard and uh, mouse usage. um, And this is to determine whether somebody is actively using the computer at the time. And if if it decides that, yeah, nobody's using it, then, then and only then will the miner kick in. So obviously you're going to make more money if it's mining all the time, but uh, the user may notice uh, you know, a lag on the computer's performance. And it also monitors for any um, analysis and troubleshooting tools running and run one the miner if they're um, running as well. And I think, again, that's probably a bid to, to keep pretty low profile uh, because the user may not be using uh, the computer, they may not have their hands on the keyboard, but they may be running some sort of scan or diagnostic tool which could pick up the mining activity. So take me through how someone could find themselves infected with this. How are they going after their victims? We didn't see uh, the complete attack chain ourselves, but just going by what we've heard from third parties uh, and things like that, uh, we think their main infection vector is uh, trojanized um, downloads, um, even pirated software, things like that. What is contained within them, the first evidence of infection we see is the arrival of a self-extracting uh, WinRAR archive um, that drops on the computer. Uh, it runs a downloader um, that's a, a DLL file, and then it con- to, it connects to the Tor network and it downloads the actual Clipminer payload itself. And then, of course, uh, you want Clipminer to stay running once it's on your computer. So um, it creates what you call persistence by creating a scheduled task, which means every time the user reboots, if they reboot, um, Clipminer will restart. And what are your recommendations for folks to uh, best protect themselves? I mean, I guess obviously don't download pirated software, but (laughs) beyond that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, really, you know, I mean, it it is pretty obvious, but like, you know, this is an illustration once again of of like why you shouldn't um, be downloading any types of pirated content because like uh, they tend, they you know, they're frequently laced with, with this sort of stuff, you know. A good AV product should should pick it up, you know. Uh, but also, um, 
I think, you know, just be mindful of how your computer is behaving and, perf and performing. Um, and if you notice all of a sudden, like this, uh, your computer is way more sluggish than it used to be and stuff like that, it probably does warrant uh, further investigation. It may not always be malicious, but it, it definitely warrants checking. Do we have any idea who's behind this? What part of the world they're hailing from? Uh, no, not not in terms of what part of the world they're hailing from. Uh, we may have a little bit of an origin story or an origin hypothesis um, because mm. Clipminer itself has been it's been circulating since January of last year, January 2021, and it emerged shortly after a kind of similar threat called Crypto. Kibu, uh, I think I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, it was discovered by ESET. Um, and when we looked at that, it was actually quite similar to Clipminer. We, we can't say they're exactly the same thing, but they're very similar. So that left us with two hypotheses, um, either uh, after the exposure by ESET um, uh, at the end of 2020, uh, the actors behind this older threat uh, may have decided to go back to the drawing board and, and launch uh, a new tune in the form of Clipminer. But then the other hypothesis is that somebody had come across uh, this older threat and decided to create Clipminer uh, in, in its image or you know uh, something similar. Our thanks to Dick O'Brien from Symantec for joining us. The research is titled Clipminer Botnet Makes Operators at Least $1.7 Million. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Rachel Gelfin, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.